Hello and welcome to Hope Community Church, Helensburgh. We're a new church with a desire to bring our hope in Jesus Christ to the people of Helensburgh and beyond and live as a community shaped by the gospel. If you live in Helensburgh or are just passing through, we'd love you to join us sometime. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.15 at the Helensburgh and Lowman Civic Centre. But now, here's the latest sermon from Hope Community Church, Helensburgh. You can find the Bible references and more information in the episode notes. Something that's ingrained in uh, the Scottish psyche is the, the Highland clearances, or at least for a lot of Scottish people. At that time, perhaps you know, the rich evicted many people from their lands so that they could put sheep on, and people were forced to move either to the coast or to emigrate uh, over to, to, to the US or Canada or other places. Uh, and it's part of the reason why the Highlands, and even here in Argyll and Butte, as we just are, uh, are so sparsely populated uh, even today. Uh, and naturally, there's been some bitterness uh, over this from, from some quarters, at least. But what it essentially was, it was a forced exile of people. They were driven from their land and sent to other places. It happened all over the, the, the UK, actually, and it happens all over the world, even today. Removed from homes and made to live elsewhere. And when we think about that, perhaps we can begin to appreciate a little bit of what's going on uh, for the people of Israel in this chapter. They are in exile. They have been driven from their homes. They are in a foreign land, an unfamiliar place, and they have to live there, as we read, for at least 70 years. What we've been doing is we've been looking at the story of the, the whole world, the story that the Bible tells from creation all the way to the New Testament and beyond. Uh, and we're kind of in the middle of the story here. We've seen how, um, how God chose a people. They were his special people, the Israelites. Uh, and then they asked for a king and he gave them a king. But what we saw last week was these kings were rubbish, uh, most of them. And they failed they led the people badly. And the result of that, to cut a very long story short, was the people go into exile. They are taken into Babylon. They are defeated, broken. They are in a state of, of misery for all that they've done wrong. They have gone against God and they've, they've, they've ended up in exile. God had given them everything. He'd given them a land. He'd given them a people. They, they had everything and they threw it all away. Uh, and the Old Testament, sometimes we think it's, it's not as relevant to us, but this is as relevant to us today as it was, uh, however many hundreds of years ago, thousands even, that it was written. Because in the New Testament, uh, one of Jesus' friends, Peter, wrote a letter and he described the people, Christians, that he was writing to as exiles. They were exiles in the world. And, and uh, the person who wrote Hebrews, he describes the, the Old Testament believers as strangers and exiles on earth, but those who desired a better heavenly country. And it's the same for us. And maybe you read this and you do naturally wonder, what does this have to do with me today in Helmsborough in 2022? But maybe it raises the questions, why are God's people in exile? And maybe you feel like an exile as well. 
Uh, maybe if you're a Christian, you wonder, why doesn't God just come back and take us to, to a better land, take us to heaven right now? What, what's that about? Maybe you don't believe at all, but you, you have that sense in this world that there must be something more, that we're not really at home here, that life is so difficult, that life has so many problems, that we face so much anxiety, that we think this can't be all that there is. Maybe you feel that sense of exile in your own life well listen on and hopefully we can see the hope really what this is about is not the depression of exile it's about the hope that jesus brings the hope that god gives to us even as we live in 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 difficult times in this world and in difficult times in our own lives but for first thing we need to see though is what it means to be exiled then we need to see how to live as an exile because we, we we do live here and third of all what hope there is for exile so three things what it means to be exiled how to live as an exile and what hope there is for us so first what it means to be exiled and as we basically said it means you're not at home it means being without familiarity without friends uh, a state of constant discomfort isn't it of mind and body there's that longing for home as well and and, and all that that means And that's what Israel was experiencing. They wanted to be home. And Jeremiah writes to them and says, you're in exile. You're there for 70 years. There was others telling them, oh, it'll only be two years. Don't worry, guys. But Jeremiah was writing to say, they're lying. That's the the prophets and diviners we read about who were lying. They had to be prepared. They were exiles. And and people in the past have experienced that, as we said, you know, the the clearances and and whatever else. And maybe people have experienced it in in their own lives, even just being sent away from from family, banned from the house. That's its its own kind of exile. But when when people left Scotland, for example, they've held on to their distinct identity. They've kept their traditions and customs and languages uh, in, in exiles. And other times it's been lost and people have just assimilated but we see in our world that sense of of exile of of longing for home you know uh you, you look at um you look at parts of america and they have these societies for for uh for scotch people canada uh, as well they have gaelic speaking communities there because they have that sense of of home of longing in fact my my own grandfather was a, a minister all the way back in i shouldn't say all the way back in the 60s um in the 60s um and his first for six months when when he sort of qualified was he went to to canada not to canadians really but to people from scotland who had had set up a church there to be in their own community uh you even see i suppose uh a lot of the 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 free churches in glasgow they, they started off and some of them still to an extent highland communities gathering together in an unfamiliar place. See, we, people try to keep these. That's kind of what it is to be an exile. You're away from home, longing for home, wanting to be at home. And that's what the Israelites experience. They've been absorbed into this great empire, the Babylonians. Imagine how difficult it was. Land taken away. The land that we saw that was so intimately tied up with their identity. It was who they were. We're the Israelites. This is our land. Jerusalem is our city. That's what they were about, and it's been destroyed. The walls have been knocked down. The temple's been knocked down. Everything has be, been taken away from them. And where is God now? Where has he gone? Uh, and as well as they go, they're, they're taken from their land. And you can imagine the worry they have. Their language was part of their identity, as it is for, for many. Uh, their religion, 
of course, is their identity, but it's all been taken away and they've been moved. Uh, and they must have felt we're going to be assimilated, we're going to lose everything that we hold precious, that we hold dear. That's what they were they were facing. The laws wouldn't be the same, the customs and traditions would be different. In this new foreign land, everything seemed to be going wrong. And even uh, one of the big things of, 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 of human nature, I suppose, is music is so important. You know, we sing together, don't we? And it's so important. And you know, every country has its traditional music. Well, uh, one of the Psalms, which was the, the songbook of Israel, uh, Psalm 137 verse 4 says, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? They wrote that when they went into exile because they were at a loss. They were in exile. They were broken. Everything had gone wrong. Their culture, their religion, their sense of self was gone. They were at a complete loss. They didn't belong. They weren't at home. Their culture was diminished. Maybe you've never felt that on a sort of national level. Maybe you have. But what we have all, uh, I'm sure, felt is being out of place in this world, of being not sure where we are, of feeling so awkward, so anxious about our place in this world, about what the future holds, uh, about when our own health feels threatened, we begin to wonder, we get really tense, don't we? Or when a family member becomes unwell, we feel like there must be something more. We're not just working until we die, are we? Do you have that sense that there must there must be something more to this life, that that home that there is a home for us, that it is attainable even if we're we're not here yet? We get tastes of that, of course, here. Don't misunderstand me. But maybe we are made for something more and even you know things like the israelites experience match up with our lives isn't music so often the expression of our our deep-seated longings for things you know look at all the songs that have been written the ones that stand the the test of time it's it's all about love and about home and about all these things you know the folk music it's about home and uh, most songs are about love and you know it's that it's that these longings within us that are just never quite met that we're never quite satisfied because we need something more. We need what the Bible offers. But this is what it is to be an exile. Christians, of course, have that sense because we are looking forward to heaven. We've got one eye on the future. But I think everyone uh, at some points in their life at least has this sense that there's this dissatisfaction with the, the way things are and we'll chase things, we'll chase whatever we think might make us happy, but then it just kind of fades away. A book of the Bible called Ecclesiastes sums it up well when it says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart. Do you see, it's not that the world is bad. It's not that there aren't good things here. Everything is beautiful in its time. But there's something more. There is something more. There is eternity in man's heart. There is, we have that, that longing for more, to be immortal, to be uh, something more. And what it means to be in exile is to have that longing, to, to want that home, to want that place, to want something more. That's what it is to be an exile. Christians experience it. Everyone experiences it. The Bible is what gives us hope. And what it means to be as an exile is, in, a, in some sense, what it is simply to be human. The natural question from this, before we get to the hope, is what do we do then? How do we live? Where do we go? 
Do we just remove ourselves completely and just try and act as if we're in heaven already? Or do we, do we do something more? Well, let's see what God says. Second of all, how to live as an exile. And in a way, we live by remembering the old but true cliche, be in the world, but not of the world. This is one of these things that Christians say, and it just becomes a, a kind of stock phrase. But it's true. We're, we are in the world, but we don't live in, in the same way as the people uh, around us. And it's not that we're holier than thou, that we look down on people, but we live in the way that the God commands. And if we are looking down on people, then we're not living in the way that God commands. Some people, though, imagine that to become a Christian is to immediately become too good for this world and its people. And, and sometimes, as we say, we do give that unfortunate impression. And of, of course, we leave behind an old way of life. We don't live for ourselves, the, the pursuit of our idols, the sin, as, as, as we might call it. But it doesn't mean that we leave this world and its people behind. You know, the, the monks of old, the, the you know, classic kind of monk, and they would live in their priories, whatever they're called, monasteries, that's the word. Um, and they turned themselves into some sort of religious elite. And they were kind of, you know, you can't touch them. They are special. They are, they are perfect, you know, all these things. That's not how we live. We don't retreat. Just the opposite. We live in this world. If you don't believe, I think that's probably important to hear because Christianity perhaps can seem intimidating. Um, and while, yes, our lives belong wholly to Jesus, it doesn't remove us from living in this world, being part of it. It removes us from a certain way of looking at the world and from certain actions, but not from living for the good of everyone. Because in verses four to seven, God gives his people their marching orders. And instead of rebelling, instead of desperately trying to get home uh, or whatever else, he says, live in the foreign land, live in Babylon, live in their cities, live amongst them, seek their welfare, seek their good. They're to, to live in this foreign land as if it was their own home. And this is what people who believe in Jesus do. We don't always feel at home, but we live here as if it's our home. And it's still a radical message today, but it's a relevant one because some people think that we must create the perfect Christian nation here on earth. The Israelites were the same. They wanted Jerusalem back. They wanted to, to be their own nation, to, uh, to be the, the best. Um, but that's not what God had in mind for them. On the other hand, we might go too far the other way and dilute our faith down into nothing, into just um, being something that just kind of fits in with whatever's popular in the world, whatever social issues or whatever else are popular. We may be tempted to assimilate and dilute our faith into that, hide it away in a place where no one can see it. And eventually it just becomes a memory. And, and I kind of think that's probably what's happened in Scotland as churches have declined, people have moved further and further away. And, and in this scenario, as we've seen in our own country, the Bible becomes an irrelevance, an inconvenience, perhaps used for inspiration, for a good quote here and there. But it's not moved with the time, so it needs to kind of be forgotten about or adapted. That's diluting. Well, the Bible offers, it's not a middle way. It's not a simplistic thing like that. What it offers is simply God's way. It's different. He doesn't call us to be the anarchists. What he calls us to be is faithful to him, faithful to what he has commanded, 
faithful to what he has said, to, to, be, to be holy, to be like Jesus, in other words. He calls us to live our lives in the way that we were always supposed to. We're not in heaven yet, but we still live as he wants us to. Uh, some weeks ago, and don't worry if you weren't there, I'll just give a little recap. But we saw that when God created the world, he made us to steward the world. He, he said, be fruitful and multiply. He said to subdue the earth, to have dominion over it. And we saw that didn't mean abuse of the world, but it meant care for the world. In the same way that God cares for the world, we do uh, the same. Uh, and maybe you noticed the, 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 the language uh, that he uses um, build houses, live in them, plant gardens, eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughter marriage, uh, and so on, seek the welfare of the city. And verse 6, multiply there and do not decrease. God's will hasn't changed. It's the exact same as the beginning of the Bible. This is what they're supposed to do. This is what God's people are supposed to do. They're not in their own land. They're not in the, the place they want to be. But God's will hasn't changed. What God says is good has not changed. What they're to keep doing is to live as God's people in God's way, even in a land where they find themselves in exile. Uh, and it's more than just uh, being different. They're to seek the welfare of the city. They're to seek the good of those around them, of the places where they live, of the people who live around them, of the, the institutions and whatever else. They are to care, to show compassion, to show love as God has shown to them, to seek their good. It's not one, it's never the sort of false dichotomy, the sort of black and white we put up. It's, it's God's way, seeking the welfare, showing love, showing compassion, not compromising. They were still, they, he's not saying marry amongst the Babylon. He's saying, be your community, be the Israelites, but be it in God's way. Be it uh, in a way that shows love and compassion. And this is just what the New Testament teaches, actually. First uh, Peter uh, chapter 2, Peter again writing to exiles, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor supreme or to governors as sent by him uh, to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honour everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honour the emperor. Uh, and there's other verses that say, similar things and you see what, what what we're being commanded we live in this world and we show love to this world we show compassion to this world we're involved in this world uh, 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 and the distinctive thing about christianity uh well amongst many things should be our love for people living as servants of god honoring everyone and it's the will of god as it says doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people Christianity is never going to be the most popular uh, message in this world, although it is great, wonderful news. But one thing we can do is, by doing good, put to silence the ignorance of foolish people who will look down on faith, who will look down on the Bible, who will look down on us, even. That is what we are told to do. The New Testament is no different. And I suppose the question is, how might that look? Well, it starts with our neighbours. It, start, well, it starts with our families, actually, doesn't it? It starts with caring for those closest to us. Then it goes to our neighbours. You know, uh, God, uh, Jesus summed up 
uh, the Ten Commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself, caring for them, loving them, providing for them. It might look like just as individuals simply going out and doing these things. It might look like mercy ministry as a church. It might look like helping with the things that already exist in society. We're seeking the welfare of those around us. It might be caring for the environment as we exercise that stewardship of the earth and, and plant gardens and, uh, and eat their produce. It can be any one of these things and much more. Whatever it is, though, it's living for the welfare of the place that we are in exile in this world that God has created, that God loves uh, uh, and looks over. It's living for the things that God values. That's what it is to live as an exile. Doesn't that sound good? Instead of being so attached to this world and loving this world too much, we have a greater purpose in all that we do. Instead of living for self, we live for others. Or instead of being so sort of heavenly minded, you might say, that we kind of just forget about people, and just live, you know, sort of an individualistic Christianity that says, well, I'm going to heaven, so I'm not really worried about this world. No, we are in this world. We live as exiles by peacefully seeking the welfare of where God has placed us. Helmsbrook or Dross, wherever we live, and living as people in this world, not those separated from it, not those who are better than it, but those who love this world and look for its welfare. But that can only be done if the gospel is there, it's not just about doing social programs. It's not that. Uh, it's, it's based on the hope that we have for ourselves and for this world. And that brings us last to what hope there is for an exile. And hope is what the world needs. We see cost of living, we see war, whatever else, whatever's going on in our own hearts, our own lives. Hope is, is what we need. What is it that drives people to get out of the circumstances that are, that are holding them down or even destroying their lives? It's hope that there is something more for them in life. Hope that there is a future, that there is something better ahead. And, and what is it that keeps people down sometimes, stuck in a rut? Well, sometimes it is pure hopelessness that keeps us down. Not seeing any future, not having any uh, way, any light at the end of the tunnel. You might ask, what hope would there be for an Israelite in a foreign land? Babylon was so much greater. They were defeated. Not much, it would seem. Maybe, maybe giving up and assimilating would be a tempting option. Again, maybe we've had that hopelessness in our own lives. Maybe, though, we just simply think that this life is all that there is. So just enjoy it and make the most out of it. Or others might just despair because this is all there is and it's not going to get better. Again, the Bible doesn't agree with either option. Instead, what it teaches us is verses 10 to 14. And, and what these verses say is that God always keeps his promises. God will do what is good and what is right, even in the middle of exile, even at the darkest moments. God will fulfill his word, maybe not on our timetable, maybe not how we might expect, but he will do what is right and he will do what is good. He is a good father who always keeps his word. Maybe the Israelites felt betrayed. Maybe we felt similar with God. But our hope isn't in something vague. You know, hope we sometimes think of as this thing, you know, I just hope 
hope things will get better, but have no real basis for it. But our hope is in the God who keeps his promises, who has said he will bring us to heaven, who has said there is a new land, who has said that we are forgiven, that we will live forever. That is who our hope is in, the God who always keeps his promises. And he had promised the Israelites he was their God, they were his people, and he would always be with them, that he would never ultimately leave them. And it's true. He's still with them, even these 70 years in exile, he is still there. It's just often not what we expect in our limited understanding. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11 is one of these famous verses in the Bible. You might see it on a calendar or something or in a Facebook post, but it, it so often gets misapplied. The real meaning lost, the true greatness of it lost says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. It's not about success here, what career we might do, what the next 10 years hold for us, the success of our, our lives, our families and so on. Because he's writing to people who he's just told it'll be 70 years. In, in other words, the, these all these people he's writing to, they're going to be dead. Um, they're not going to see this with their own eyes. And yet what God tells them is, I've got plans for your welfare. I've got plans uh, to give you a future and a hope. Because what we might be looking for, what the Israelites might be looking for, is that temporary hope that they might have Jerusalem back, that they might be able to march about as their own wee nation and feel really good about themselves. But what God promises was so much bigger. Any other hope is, is temporary, so meaningless when we get to the end of our lives. But the hope that God gives is something beyond ourselves, beyond our lives. Comfort those that God never leaves us. He never left the Israelites. That he does have hope for their future as he has hope for ours. Even if they, they die in Babylon, they are still his people. We are still his people, no matter um, who we are. If we have placed our faith in Jesus, we are his. We belong to him and he will never leave us. Just as the Israelites as a nation would return home, all God's people will be home. God has not changed. He is with them and he is with us. They were promised their land would be restored after 70 years. That was good hope, no doubt. We have something so much greater, a greater land. They're looking to the physical land of Israel. But as God is hinting at, saying 70 years, they had an even greater hope. They just couldn't see it. The hope for us today in the middle of war, the cost of living in our own personal circumstances, the hope as we live on this earth as exiles is that there is a land to come, a real physical land, that God will renew everything. He will restore everything, that there is a, a, a new place that he will create, that restoration. And it's not just a, 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 an empty land, but it's a home. In John chapter 14, Jesus says, to his friends in my father's house are many rooms if it were not so would i have told you that i go to prepare a place for you and if i go and prepare a place for you i will come again and will take you to myself that where i am you may be also what saying is he has a home for us it's not just that we exist neutrally but that we will be uh, in in a room in a home our hope is not uh, never in our circumstances here our hope is in Jesus, something beyond ourselves in this life. It's in something permanent, a home with 
God, a place where we are with him, a place that is prepared for us, a place where we are welcomed, where we are rested, where we are at peace, where we are um, not worried about wars or about sickness or about anything else. We have the promise here that our exile will end, that as our lives end here, something new, something better begins, that we will be at home, that we will not be at exile anymore. We will be at rest. And that is our hope. That is what the Bible offers. That is the good news, that the exile will end through Jesus. How do we get it? Simply by believing. The last few verses tells, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. We go to God. We seek him. And, and what does he say? Uh, maybe I'll welcome you. No, of course he doesn't say that. He says, I will be found by you. I will hear you. I will restore your fortunes. I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. God will do it. All we do is we seek him. We go to him. And that's just another way of saying we place our trust in him. Uh, and as we mentioned earlier, it is the, the first Sunday in Advent, and that's a good reminder for us that we go to Jesus. Jesus is God. Um, he came at Christmas. He was the king that they were waiting for, the good king, the king who, who brings them out of exile. He's the king who went into exile himself because he went from heaven, he went from the good place down to here into exile himself so that he could take us out of exile so that he could take us home so that he could prepare that place for us that's what he did that's what jesus does he comes into our exile and goes uh, to the cross the ultimate exile of death itself so that we can be restored so that we can go to that good land so that we can have eternal life it's jesus that we seek it's him who gathers us who restores our fortunes who makes everything new who takes us home that's what he came to do at Christmas. That's what we're going to see through December. But just remember that, that we have a home. In all our exile, we have a home with God. If we simply go to him, he will welcome us. He will restore us. He will bring us to be with him forever. Amen. Thanks for listening. Join us every Sunday at 10.15 as we meet at the Helensburgh and Lowman Civic Centre. Find out more on our website, hopehelensburgh.org.